Once upon a time when we were coloured and our election times were somewhat laboured, we were so desperate for our own Barack Obama that we put our hopes behind a certain Shuka Umana. Even before he got elected as an MP for Streatham, they're already suggesting he'd be the first black resident of number 10, Downing Street. And we thought, sweet. And so did he. The comparison with the first black US president was not one that he was ever going to resent. But that's not the way it worked out for Chuka, who started losing sight of the bigger picture. And instead of being Britain's first black prime minister, he's one of the big Westminster losers of election 2019, a fall from grace, the like of which we've probably never seen, from hero to zero without passing go. And you know what we're like with losers, we don't want to know. Especially ones we perceived let the side down, who took our support and then dissed the programme. Of course, we end up looking like the mugs for treating him like the Messiah who had come to deliver us. But how were we to know that he was going to flip-flop and fly our votes from one party to another and another like some flip-flopping guy? No wonder we need a hero with an S on her chest and not a halo who has our backs 24-7 without us having to go begging. But are we looking in all the wrong places for a politician carrying all the aces? Or is there something fundamentally lacking in the concept of a Barack Obama for Britain? After all, it's Boris's Britain for the next five years. I'm not too sure that the Prime Minister cares whether you like it or not, because right now he's hot with a huge majority. Does that spell hell for the ethnic minorities? It remains to be seen. Are black Britons his priority? Now the cat's got the cream. And would he have done a better job for black Britons than the British Obama? A question I asked the political commentators Kerry Kankwende and Lester Holloway. But first, how did Chuka Umana throw away his destiny? Kerry. Wow. Yes, he was called, I think also he coined the phrase on his own Wikipedia, Britain's Obama. Um, I think Chuka Umana, it was interesting that he was standing for the seat in cities in Westminster. I think he ended up very far from where he had started, not just in terms of his political party. Um, you know, he tried, it was hard to understand what exactly he was aiming for, because when he had a chance for the leadership, he bottled it. He had a chance to set up a new party and that didn't work out. And then he sort of crawled into the Lib Dems. I don't think people can trust you when you show that your, you know, your only um, motivation seems to be self-seeking. He didn't seem to stand for anything bigger than his own ambition. And I think that's ultimately what did it for him. Yeah, Lester, I do remember uh, that Lord Simon Woolley was describing him as Britain's Obama even before he got elected for the Labour Party in Streatham. So, as Kiri says, he used that himself as um, a platform, as it were. How did he throw away that that legacy or that destiny? It's interesting in terms of Chuka describing himself as uh, the new Obama because uh, um, I did an interview with him when he was uh, going for the selection uh, for Streatham and uh, he himself uh, described himself off the record as uh, Britain's Obama. Um, so that was clearly a, a prompt to uh, for us to do the same. So, so we did that with the headline. Um, and then he promptly distanced himself. <laughs> I don't want to be described as the next uh, Obama, which I thought was a, a bit ironic. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, uh, sort of following on from what um, you know, Kiri says, uh, there's a wider question about not just why um, Chuka moved uh, from Labour to uh, Change UK and to the Lib Dems, but uh, what, uh, uh, what what his last two parties 
uh, actually stand for. And I think this mm -hmm. is really uh, that goes to the, the heart of, well, certainly one of the points I want to make, uh, which is this sort of vacuum of uh, of policy that uh, that comes from uh, from people who are not necessarily rooted uh, in the struggle or any any particular uh, sort of political uh, movement, uh, and so who see uh, Labour Party or any other party really as a vehicle for uh, for a career. And I think that's really where Chukka um, uh, went went wrong, and and really it sort of helped dictate. Uh, you know his uh, his move around parties and and all the mistakes that he's made, uh, but I know that uh, Simon Woolley was uh, or Lord Woolley now uh, was was very um, upset actually at Chukar when he decided to uh, uh, not go for the leadership of the Labour Party and uh, that came as a surprise to me uh, Chukar's decision at that at that moment, but uh, I also think that uh, you know that the Labour Party in many ways dodged the bullet as we saw really from uh, uh, you know Chukar's year. Uh, 2009 is really summed up why I think he would have been uh, not a good uh, choice as leader once we'd actually got over the initial celebration of having uh, a black leader of the Labour Party. Mm. Uh, Kiri, is Lester right that to be uh, or to have the wherewithal to be a leading black politician that you have to have a background in whether community activism or the struggle? You know, it's that that vacuum that he speaks of, that policy vacuum, that wider values vacuum. It doesn't just show why you can't win. It also raises questions about what you're going to do when you get there. For me, the result that sums it all up is um, is the result in Kensington, obviously, where we have Grenfell and a Tory MP return. And I look at that and I just think with someone like Chuka in charge, you know, he was standing for the Lib Dems. Um, you know, what what difference, tangible difference would it have made on a policy perspective? And how can you go from having, um, you know, left-wing policies seemingly without missing a beat? Um, you, you have to be rooted in something because the whole point is to make change. And um, particularly for the black community, there's things that are urgently needed. There's things on the inbox there's issues that need to be dealt with. And if someone doesn't have not just a case of backbone, but rooted in understanding even what those challenges are, then I really do despair. And I'm afraid that's sort of my mood this morning. Why didn't we, the black community in Britain, why didn't we realise that? Why didn't we consider this? Because we bought in to the hype of Britain's black Obama. It's something obviously that the media loved, couldn't get enough of and are still describing him as that today as we speak. They're still describing him as the failed mm. Britain's black Obama. But why, why, didn't, why were there no alarm bells raising in, or ringing in our ears when we heard this term? There should have been alarm bells ringing for, for two reasons. Uh, the first is that we're used to being compared to somebody else. Mm. Uh, we know in daily life, <laughs> And go around and uh, you know we're so, oh you know the, the, you look like so and so uh, apparently I look like Colin Powell so that's the first uh, reason I think why uh, but uh, I suppose the the other thing as well is that uh, uh, until um, uh, um, Jeremy Corbyn came to the fore uh, I think there was a lack of belief that politics could be anything other uh, than uh, showmanship for uh, for ugly people obviously Chuck uh, uh, is the, uh, the exception to that uh, rule but uh, uh, certainly. Uh, uh, it's it, it was seen as, as something which is more about um, 
value as a signaling to people rather than actually um, delivering. Uh, and, and and that's in many ways why um, you know uh, Jeremy Corbyn came came to the fore after you know ten, after austerity and after the. A financial crash because people wanted uh, more people wanted something different um, and I think that uh, you know it, it will affect the way that we look at black leadership in the future as well uh, that you know we uh, will be less afraid to be demanding uh, black leaders uh, to deliver for uh, uh, tackling the issues which most affect us I would add to that that um, what he says about being compared to other people I do think that when it comes to the UK Often, when we look, when people are looking for metaphors, especially in the media, the instinct is to reach across the pond. And you know, Obama did actually have a history in community organising. He had actually cut his teeth um, doing a lot within his community, and he lost several times before he came through. And there were many differences in his trajectory to that of Amuna, um, things that were glossed over that we, I guess, chose to overlook. Um, I think it also shows me that the politics of representation we have to not only demand, as Lester says, more of our black leaders, but also not be satisfied simply with representation. It has to be inclusive. It's not just enough to have a black face there. It has to mean something more. No, absolutely, I agree. And I think that there's a wider parallels within the Labour Party at the moment. We're already seeing uh, a blowback from, from centrists now that uh, Jeremy Corbyn has announced he's going to uh, step down. Um, uh, effectively saying, you know, we just need to have a lurch to the right uh, so that we just win for winning's sake. Mm. Um, but, but for many people, including myself, that's just simply uh, not going to be um, good enough. But can I just come back to another point, which um, uh, you, you mentioned, um, Kiri, about um, uh, so, you know, comparisons with um, people in the United States. Um, my, my boss uh, at uh, the Centre for Labour and Social Studies, uh, uh, Dr. Faisal Shaheen, unfortunately, she lost last night. She's taken on. Ian Duncan Smith in, in Chingford, uh, but she's been compared to um, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, mm. the states or AOC as, as she's known. Uh, I think largely because uh, they're both from the left, uh, they're both um, Asian women, um, and uh, uh, you know they're sort of you know both sort of relatively sort of young and uh, and fresh. But but actually, um, you know, Pfizer has been quite annoyed about that comparison and uh, sort of shies away from it. Says, look, you know. Uh, you know, don't compare me to, to AOC. You know, I'm 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 the British uh, Shaheen, uh, and I think that's the the right way to to go. I, I found that um, when David uh, David Lamy was first elected, he was sort of the baby of the house, uh, if you like. I think it was around the year 2000 or so when he was elected in the by-election there uh, in Tottenham, and uh, he made one good speech. It was his, his uh, maiden speech, and he was already being lauded as uh, the, the first Britain's first black prime minister. Uh, and I think that um, I mean David has um, matured and progressed uh, enormously as a politician in those since those times. But I think in the in the early stages, uh, that was a real millstone around his neck. It created an expectation which uh, uh, other uh, aspiring politicians, uh, you know, did not have to uh, face. And and I would actually argue really damaged and held back uh, his career for for a long, long time until he could sort of uh, shake it off, and we could see him. Uh, for, you know, uh, as David Lammy, as opposed to uh, simply the next um, Black Prime Minister. Um, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about, especially as inevitably there's been discussions about the next leader, I've been thinking, what about women? Because, um, you know, fair enough, everyone called Chuka, uh, Britain's Obama, but because there's no, I guess, metaphor to reach across for a black female leader in that sort of powerful position, it's almost like no one's really discussing it as a possibility. But we have amazing women rooted in the community who are doing amazing things. People like Marsha de Cordova or um, Dawn Butler 
um, who now, uh, you know, also have some uh, shadow shadow experience. But I don't hear their names being mentioned. But I like the fact, you know, the Pfizer's problem and her calling herself, you know, she's Britain's Pfizer. I sort of feel that that's something that um, a number of black women are also going to face this difficulty that because there's no other thing for people to point to and compare them to, that it's just going to be hard to be seen as a possible leader. Yeah. It's a fair point that you make, Kiri. Why, though, um, that quite apart from that, why is it that there is this need to tag any black politician as any, you know, half decent black politician, with the exception of the women, as you say, in terms of, you know, finding a metaphor to compare them with. But why is it, it why is it important for the media to always tag this label of Britain's first or, you know, black future prime minister onto a politician? Why is it important? Is it important for the media or is it equally important for the black community? I'd say it's important for the, I don't want to say the white majority, but yeah, pretty much uh, in the sense that it makes, it gives people a rush to think, you know, when you say first, it's, it's historic, it's groundbreaking. Um, but sometimes you have to start asking in 2019, 2020, why are we still having some firsts? Lester? I can see why why people do it, uh, but I think that it's really important that you know the black politicians define themselves rather than having uh, you know, other people define them, especially you know uh, defining them by by other politicians that may have slightly different politics or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it probably does have the benefit of um, creating added familiarity uh, to uh, black politicians, especially uh, in the eyes of the uh, of white gays, if you like. Um, uh, that shouldn't necessarily uh, have to be the case, and it certainly isn't the case with, with white politicians that sometimes you get uh, David Cameron and Nick Clegg, nobody really heard of them uh, before they actually became their party leaders, um, but uh, they didn't feel the need to, to do that or to market themselves in, in that particular way. I think that there's added pressure for black politicians because of the need to, to create that familiarity and to, and to if you like, uh, to be crude about it, so to not, to not be sort of, you know, um, sort of scaring the uh, the electorate that you know there's a need to be sort of fairly familiar and uh, and homely to uh, to to voters in general um, and and that is uh, is is an unfair um, added sort of expectation and, and burden that that black politicians have to face particularly if they want to be uh, in aspiring to high office because you don't you don't see the same thing happen to uh, politicians of. Uh, other minority groups, you know, you don't hear people talking about, you know, um, Britain's first Jewish prime minister in modern times, mm. at least. Um, you, you don't hear anybody being described as that. You don't hear people uh, being. Tr I, I don't even think Margaret Thatcher, when she came up as an MP, was being described as Britain's Britain's future first female prime minister. It, it does seem to be a particular description that is attached to any black politician that can that can read or write i think that's true to a certain extent but i mean theresa may in her early years as prime minister or early period did sort of try to model herself a little bit on uh, on margaret thatcher until it all sort of fell, fell apart um but uh, but I, I do agree uh, generally sort of you know with, with you uh, dotton that uh, you know there, there is this sort of um, added uh, 
expectation uh, on black politicians to, uh, uh, to to market themselves in uh, in a certain way, uh, which I think is is rather unfair. Can any black politician that bears that tag that has to carry that burden, perhaps, ever succeed, Kiri? I think I'm tempted to say, based especially on on what Lester had said earlier about the, you know, describing it as a millstone around Prince and Stacey's neck, that sort of thing. I don't think it's helpful because it, you know, what it does is it prevents seeing the depth within the field. So everyone's so busy looking at that tag that they don't see not just other people around them, the team. Um, and it, it, I think it is more of an inhibitor than anything else. I do think it makes it difficult. Yeah, because I, I, I wonder whether, you know, now that we look back on it, we have any kind of sympathy, perhaps, for anybody, and not just necessarily talking about Chuka Umina, but anybody, any politician that has is um, somewhat handcuffed to an ideal that you know that they being human beings are going to find it very hard to reach and whether it also distracts from the um, the purpose at hand. Uh, you know, they say, keep your eye on the prize. If in the case of Chuka Umina, and I'm just referencing that point, the, the prize was to become a great politician. Well, hang on, he ends up sort of thinking, how do I get to Downing Street? And did he not make a very specific decision after you know, declining to stand for the leadership of the Labour Party that how I get to Downing Street is by um, sniping from the sidelines whilst I'm in the Labour Party, hoping for the moment when Jeremy Corbyn, uh, the, the moment as soon as possible, that is when Jeremy Corbyn will have to resign or then leaving the Labour Party and forming my own movement and saying this is you know a time for a new Labour movement or new centrist movement or whatever it is. He made a calculated decision along the way and I'm wondering whether either of you feel that that calculated decision or those calculated decisions was on behalf of himself and his destiny, uh, the country, uh, the black community? As a, uh, a, a black politician uh, and a politician that, that happens to be black at the same time, uh, he uh, would be uh, very much aware of uh, several added pressures. Uh, one added pressure is that simply being black and a politician or an MP uh, means that you, you attract extra casework um, uh, from people who feel that uh, their own uh, white MP you know, won't understand or, or serve them. Uh, so properly, I and mean, black councillors get this, the, the same thing at a local level. So there's um, added um, uh, fear uh, or expectation almost that there'll be uh, more digging uh, into your background. I mean, clearly, uh, you know, journalists will dig into the background of, of leading politicians mm. when they get to the, the front bench or when they get to, to leadership uh, positions. But black politicians face uh, this type of scrutiny, um, you know, uh, as a junior or backbench councillors or before they even uh, get to be uh, MPs uh, in the first place. Uh, we've seen a number of, uh, of cases where clearly uh, journalists from uh, um, 
uh, from, from uh, newspapers, have been investing huge amounts of time and effort uh, to try and find relatives uh, who've uh, uh, been committing uh, you know, different crimes um, and, and then sort of pinning that uh, by, uh, by extension uh, on, the, on the MP themselves. And they tend to evolve around things like, you know, uh, sort of relatives, cousins, sons, uh, daughters being involved in drugs and things that's kind of really reinforced those st stereotypical um, stereotypes uh, of um, black politicians. Yes, I, um, I, I would also just add that, oh, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, I think I, I pretty much grab, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to add that um, I'm just surprised, especially when his when he attempted to launch Change UK, purely because without parliamentary reform, our system is designed to not be um, flexible or sympathetic to new entry parties. Um, th at the end of the day, it really is about primarily those two big beasts. Yeah, I think they were sort of looking at uh, the on march uh, movement in in France mm. for for inspiration. Um, but you know, certainly in, in Britain, you know, big political movements have only really you know been uh, uh, been created and, and built up. You know, when there's was sort of strong sort of philosophy uh, behind them and they're built up from the from the grassroots. Uh, I mean, in many ways, the regeneration of the Labour Party under Corbyn has been a sort of grassroots up uh, movement, and it just felt like um, Change UK uh, was uh, was a, was a top down movement. I mean, their first press conferences were in the gilded sort of. Uh, uh, halls of, uh, of of Westminster. They, they they did a press conference, you know, in one of the fanciest rooms uh, in the Palace of, uh, of Westminster, and it just looked completely and utterly out of touch. And then on top of that, they didn't really have anything to say about the big issues that are facing society. So how are you going to really build a movement from there? Yeah, I don't know if either of you remember when Boris Johnson became Mayor of London for the first time, and his sister inadvertently shouted out London belongs to Boris and it made all the headlines well arguably after election 2019 this is Boris's Britain he's got a huge majority uh, he can do what he likes he can say what he likes but nothing's going to shift him over the next five years unless he himself chooses to go to an early election, call for an early election. Nothing's going to shift him. This is Boris's Britain. Uh, is a huge ma majority like that good or bad for minorities, ethnic minorities in particular? I'm talking the black population. Is it a good or a bad thing, Kiri? So I think... It's interesting because it's all about the responsiveness of the system. In this case, he does have a huge majority, but it's a cop it's it's a series of coalitions. So in many ways, he's sort of inherited the the tensions that Jeremy Corbyn had, the the line that he had to walk. He's he's got those, he's he's kind of absorbed all of that into his party now. So he's got everyone from the south all the way through to the north, um, you know upper classes, he's got working classes, he's got a real mix of people now. And I noticed what he said when he, um, in his first remarks, that he mentioned um, governing for those sort of new people that voted for him for the first time, and he admitted that they would have done so with some hesitation. And so I do think that that does open a bit of an avenue for some hope that 
there is a chance for some responsiveness in the system purely because he wants to keep um, the new entries. He wants to keep that coalition to hold together. And when you have something like that, you do need to kind of be responsive. And so I think there is room for us to to make an impact. But of course, it is it's also heavy going because some of the stuff he has pledged on a very, very, very thin manifesto. But some of the things he has mentioned, particularly on migration, some of the policy things he has actually been clear about and he hasn't been clear about many are deeply worrying for our community. Um, you know, there's no no mention of Windrush, but some of the measures he's talking are going to make that situation worse. The, the next few years are, are quite scary uh, for the black community and indeed for, for working class people uh, in general, because uh, Boris Johnson, with his sort of 70 odd uh, majority, has got free reign to uh, deliver a, a Brexit. Uh, which uh, is going to erode workers' rights. We know that because workers' rights was taken out of the withdrawal agreement. Um, so that that's going to be um, attacked. Uh, you know, we're going to see a sort of atomization of the economy when it comes to uh, uh, when, when it comes to the gig, gig economy uh, and growing inequality. And we know that black communities uh, are worst affected by all of that. Uh, obviously, we'll have to see to what extent austerity has really ended. We know that over the last ten years, nine years, uh, that uh, austerity has impacted hardest on black communities and black women in particular. Um, now, I don't believe that the taps are going to be um, turned on. I think this was a sort of short-term uh, measure uh, in terms of the spending pledges that uh, the Tories have uh, that announced uh, before the election. Uh, but, uh, you know, I really doubt uh, that that is going to be sustainable, not least because the Tories will want to get uh, a grip on where they really stand fiscally in terms of what the economic policy is. I don't trust Boris Johnson one bit you know, further than I can throw him. Uh, Margaret Thatcher had huge majorities and during her time as Prime Minister, we, we saw you know, what you could argue was some of the most um, radical um, responses from the black community at the time, arguably the uprisings as they're sometimes known in the black community happened during her tenure and changed changed the face of Britain forever. And people, some people would argue, actually changed the condition of black people in Britain um, forever in a positive way. Um, so can you not see that, Lester, that um, a majority, even though on paper it looks like we may as or everybody else may as well pack up their bags and go home because this is how it's going to be for the next five years. However, will, will, do, can you not see a tension and a response, uh, a quite forthright response to the majority that Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party have, despite, you know, it, or in tandem with their likely policies and how it impacts on the black community and other communities? I honestly don't think that Boris Johnson is going to reward uh, working class communities or indeed any uh, uh, black voters that voted for him uh, for, for doing so. I just don't think that's his agenda. I think the agenda of the Conservative Party at this moment in time uh, is to be um, isolationist uh, when it comes to um, uh, how they see Britain as going forward um, post-Brexit. Post um, so I think it, it, you know, you know, it will take you know a more upri uprisings uh, to to try and change that that course. But uh, but no, I don't believe that um, uh, it's going to uh, that uh, Boris Johnson is going to to reward um, uh, you know the people who have voted for him that don't normally. It'd be interesting to see what happens with the racial disparity unit, uh, mm. which 
his amazing setup, which is uh, presided over by um, Simon Woolley, um, uh, it, he didn't actually um, dismantle it when he uh, came in as, as prime minister. But now he's got uh, a mandate uh, to uh, to con kind of govern for a long time. Uh, it, we you know, will need to keep a very close eye on whether uh, you know he actually uh, backs that. To make the changes in, in Whitehall, but even that is only half the story. That actually we need to be moving at some point uh, from simply monitoring statistics in Whitehall okay. to looking at the public and sector. I was going to say, race disparity unit is essentially a government body that was looking at equality yeah. in you know government institutions, amongst other things. Now, um, the final question and a killer question, but I do want your uh, considered thought about this: Who would have made a better prime minister, Boris Johnson? Or Chuka Umina? Uh, okay. Um, Chuka Umina, I suppose. Why? Um, <laughs> it's really, there's very little to say between the two. I guess I'm just thinking about who is more likely to be able to be reached. Um, I know that he travelled very far from where he started, but I do, I, I, I think if he'd been elected depends on what platform he would have stood on, but I think that he would have at least been able to be reached in some way. Whereas with Boris Johnson, I, I'm a bit more pessimistic in that he has, it's difficult to trust him. And I also think that he's not inclined to, to make any progress on issues that we care about in our community. Lester. The differences between him and, and Boris Johnson are not so stark as uh, some people might might think because uh, you know like Boris I think that you know he's more um, economically conservative um, but uh, he's also socially liberal obviously more socially liberal I think than um, uh, most uh, uh, Tories and Boris Johnson are even though Boris Johnson keeps trotting out the term uh, one nation uh, just uh, for for some strange reason uh, we have seen more more kind of signals from Boris Johnson lately that he's sort of um, uh, a more socially liberal approach, but I just don't know whether that's going to last. You haven't answered the question. Um, I think it's a tie.